Amen. All right. So we're, tonight we're going to be looking at Second Chronicles chapter 26, and specifically what we're going to be looking at is the fall of Uzziah. As you see, as we read through this passage here, uh, when he gets to the end of the chapter, we see uh, him going into the temple, which is something he was not supposed to do. And God ends up taking care of Uzziah. He turns him into a leper. They run him out of the temple. And he ends up dying a terrible death, basically an outcast from Israel. A guy who was the king ends up dwelling in a several house. Place, he ends up dwelling with other lepers, cut off from society. God takes a man down who was a good man. Uzziah was a good king. And so we're going to look at his fall tonight because there's a lot of principles that we see here and what brought about the fall of Uzziah that I think often happens in our lives as Christians where, you know, God, we, we start out right. We start out doing things the right way for the right reasons. God blesses us. And then it's like we kind of get lifted up with pride and then God's got to take us down again. And so I want us to look at some, uh, first before we get into these, principles, I want us to look at some of Uzziah's history, and let's look at a few facts about Uzziah. Look what it says in verse 1 of Second Chronicles 26. It says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after that the king slept with his fathers. 16 year old, years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also is Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So notice a, a couple things about him right here. First off, I mean, he became king at only 16 years old. He was king for 52 years. He was one of the longest uh, reigning kings that they had. But notice one thing whenever you're reading about the different kings and it kind of starts off and it's given a summary about them, it'll often say he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord or he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And Uzziah is a king that is listed as a good king. If we were to talk about Uzziah overall, overall, he was a good king. 52 years. He was king. All the days of Zechariah, he's doing good. In fact, it says, as long as he sought to the Lord, he did good. But did Uzziah end well? No, he did. Now, obviously, just because he had a bad ending, it doesn't mean, you know, it didn't wipe out all the good that he did for years and years. Okay? But at the same time, I don't want to just be a good pastor for a while and then end bad. You know, and that should be the desire of all of us. You know, you don't want to have the attitude of, you know, I, I was a good Christian for a long time, but then we fail in the end. It ought to be the desire for all of us that we go to the grave faithful. I'm very thankful yesterday I got to go to the funeral of a man who one of, I mean, everybody would say about this man, one of his most notable characteristics was faithful. The man went to the grave faithful. If you look in the songbooks at the church, I noticed they had dedicated, they had gotten new songbooks, they had dedicated, and this was before he died uh, to, uh, to him, Steve Martin, and it said, um, it had the verse, moreover, it's requiring stewards that a man, and it said, be found faithful. They had in real big words, because that was how he was. That is what people say about him. That is how he will always be remembered. 
You know why? Because that's how he ended. And you know, if all those years, I mean, for years and years he was faithful, if he had flopped out in the end and quit in the end, nobody would say that about him. Even if most of his life he had done things right, it's the end that really counts, that really matters. And Uzziah, his ending stunk. And, and think about having all those good, wonderful years only to just get lifted up with pride and do something stupid in the end and then have to die in humiliation. I can't imagine anything worse. But let me tell you, that could be the end for all of us if we don't watch it. And that's definitely what happened to him. But at the same time, he's listed as a good king. Even though this ended bad and it's kind of his legacy... You know, we've kind of forgotten the legacy about him being a good king because he had such a bad end. We don't want that for us. Look at verse 6. It says, And and he went forth and warred against the Philistines and brake down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and uh, the Mahunims. And the Ammonites Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad, even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Everybody's talking about Uzziah. Everybody knows who he is. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, and at Jerusalem at the corner gate, and at the valley gate, and at the turning of the wall, and fortified them. And he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains. Husbandmen also, vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel. For he loved husbandry. Everything this guy is touching is turned into gold. He's, I mean, increasing in wealth. This is all wonderful, wonderful stuff for Israel. I mean, the kingdom is booming under his reign and under his leadership. Why? Because he's seeking to the Lord. God is using him. God is blessing him. Every, all of this is legit that's happening here. He doesn't. He's not getting this in a bad way. This is God doing a work through Uzziah. He was used of God in a great way. It goes on in verse 11, Moreover, Uzziah had an host of fighting men and went out to war by bands according to the number of their account by the hand of Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600, and under their hand was an army, 300,000, and 7,500 that made war with mighty power to help the kings against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the hosts, shields and spears and helmets and habergons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped So he was strong. So not only is he just successful in everything, he's even coming up with new ways to fight and defend their city. These men, cunning men, are making these engines so they're able to like shoot a bunch of arrows fast. They're able to throw great stones. They've got the best and the biggest catapults, I guess we would call them. And so, you know, people are hearing about Uzziah. People are hearing about what's going on in Israel. Everybody's talking about him. I mean, they're talking about him in Egypt and everything they're saying, it's true. God is blessing. Great things are being done. God is using Uzziah. Uzziah is a good king. All of these things are absolutely true. And notice again how it mentioned in uh, before how they were talking about him in Egypt. And it says at the end, 
uh, and his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. So his fame is growing. Uzziah's name is spreading. Okay, And notice it's Uzziah's name, though. Okay? This is just kind of an interesting fact here, because remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? Everybody was talking about God during that time. Everybody was talking, because it was God that got them out of Egypt, wasn't it? They weren't talking about Moses, they were talking about God. When Joshua sent those spies into Jericho, and they're talking to Rahab, remember Rahab, like, man, the people's hearts are fainting because of you. They, are, they were scared of their God during that time. And you know what? God brought great victories. During this story of Uzziah, Uzziah is a good king. Uzziah is doing great things. And I'm not blaming Uzziah for what happened here, but something went wrong somewhere where people are looking at Uzziah and kind of glorifying him because, you know, look at what he's accomplished. Look at these engines he's building and all these, this weaponry he has. You know, look at this host that he has, the wells he's digging. Nobody's giving God glory. God is not getting glory in this story, even though it's clearly God doing all these things through Uzziah. Let me tell you, this is just a side note here, but we better watch that as a church, that, you know, as a church, we don't want people talking, you know, looking and seeing what's going on here and talking about Liberty Baptist Church or Pastor Tom McMurtry and the people here. They need to be talking about God. And it's our job to make sure that's who they talk about. And we need to make sure, you know, we're giving God the glory for everything that's being done here because... If we don't, if, if all of a sudden the talk comes becomes about us, here what's probably going to happen is we might start believing the talk. And I believe that's kind of what happened with Uzziah here. I mean, everybody's talking about him. He's got all these people coming to meet him and tell him how you know all the great things they've heard about him. And he's like, he believed it. Oh, you heard that? Will they tell you about this too? You know, they they left out this detail. You know that, and he definitely got lifted up with pride. But, so while, while this particular story, it's about a king, I do believe the principle can be applied in every area of life. Whether you are a business owner, you know, whether or, you know, whatever your position is in the church, you know, for me as a pastor, this is something I think all of us can look at and relate to. And there's some things we need to understand because what happened to Uzziah, it happens, this has been happening to people ever since. I mean, we've all seen the big names that are out there that just become big and famous, and then they just fall flat on their face. You realize that's on purpose. I believe it's God doing these things many times. And so, first thought, the first thing I want us to understand and, and help with this is that in all the greats, okay, anybody who ever does anything great for God, whether it be in the ministry or anybody who ever even accomplishes anything great through the blessing of God, Okay, a lot of people do great things that, you know, financially, you know, through ripping people off and, you know, I mean, casino owners make a lot of money, don't they? Our president is a testimony to that. Okay. Now, did God do that in him? No, you know, that was ripping people off. But I'm talking about when we do things that God blesses, that it's a result, you know, we do things right, we do things according to the rules, and God blesses and we're successful, whether it be in a business, whatever. But all the greats start out dependent on God, and that's why he exalts them. Folks, when we humble ourselves, he'll exalt exalt us. 
Anybody in here that's, you know, and some of you have that have started businesses and things, I mean, you can remember what it was like when you started and how you were scared and you were wondering what was going to happen. And you know what we typically do during those times? We typically do a lot of praying. I'll tell you, when we started this church, you better believe I did a lot of praying during that time because I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I had high hopes and everything, but you just didn't really know. And when you go into something like a church plant in a town where you don't know anybody, you know, you go into that pretty humble. You go into that with an attitude, Lord, I need you to do something. Lord, I need you to step in and accomplish something. And when things happen, there's just no doubt that it's the Lord doing it. And God gets all the glory for it. I mean, and, and I'll tell you right now, I think, you know, I think I can honestly say I'm not just trying to talk spiritual right now. It's easy for me right now to see what God's done in this church and just to say, God did it. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, I still feel dependent on God. I mean, it's still kind of overwhelming thinking about, you know, like I said, our, you know, there's a lot's changing with this move and expenses going up. And, I mean, you know, there's extra responsibilities, more we're going to be doing. It's just, you know, I still feel really dependent on God. I haven't, I, I've always wanted to get to that point where it's like, you know what, we're good. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I think that's our flesh. And that's bad. Okay. We should always want to be or feel dependent on God. And when we do, I believe God will exalt us. I believe God will bless us. But the problem is, you know, many people, God does that all the time with people, but they don't stay there. They don't stay with that attitude. Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 15. A great example of this was King Saul. King Saul was somebody who was humble at one time. And God exalted him. Look what it says in verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Hey, when did God exalt you, Saul? It was when you were little in your own sight. It was back when you thought you were nothing. And back when you thought you were nothing, God took you and he made you something. He made you the king of his people. And the Lord set thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and it's evil in the sight of the Lord. What made you think you didn't have to obey the Lord? Hey, Samuel, you who were, or Saul, you who were little in your own sight at one time, what made you think you're so big you now don't have to obey God? What's going on here? That's what he's basically calling them out for. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. No, he had Saul did not obey the voice of the Lord. But Saul thought, well, I did something better. You know, I, I, I came up with a better plan. I know God said to kill all of them, but I'm going to offer them up for sacrifices. You know, he, he found a way to justify it. And he did not follow the rules. And that's what happened with Uzziah. Uzziah, we're going to look at that this a little bit, but Uzziah had no right to go into the temple. He was not a Levite. He was not the high priest. But he was the king, wasn't he? But kings didn't have that right to go in there. That was not God's plan. And he thought he could do his own thing. And it's because he got lifted up in his own sight. And that was Paul, that, or that was Saul's problem. Saul was exalted... And got so full of himself, he thought he knew better than God. Listen, only an arrogant person would think they know better than God. 
He clearly had forgotten where he came from. And we are, we're all good at making excuses for why we do the things that we do. But while people often buy it, you know, a holy God doesn't buy it. A holy God doesn't buy our excuses. We all come up with excuses for why we don't do things that we know we should do, why we don't, you know, follow God's word in different areas. We all are great at coming up with excuses. Okay? I, you know, I, being a pastor, I could write a book just on excuses for everything. And people are good at it. But understand, your excuses just show you think you're above the law. You think you're above the rules. You know, everybody else has to play by a certain set of rules, but you don't. And that's how King Saul was. You know, if somebody wouldn't have followed King Saul's commands to the letter, he'd have probably chopped their head off. But when God gives him clear instructions, he does what he wants to do. Why? Because he's the king. You know, lift it up with pride. And I believe that's what happened. That is what would possess somebody like Uzziah, who's not a Levite, who's not a priest, to go into the temple the way he did. That's just pure arrogance there. Hey, I know, I know what the law says, but I'm the king. Hey, nobody's above the law of God. Okay, nobody, and that's still the case today. Nobody is above the law of God. And so whatever line of work you're in, you should always have a dependency on God. When it comes to parenting, you ought to be feel dependent on God. That's one of the most overwhelming things in the world, I think, is parenting. You know, how am I going to keep from messing these kids up? You know, we all fear that. It's a, it's a very overwhelming thing. You better be dependent on God. Don't go. Don't be like one of these punks. You just go read a book, and all of a sudden you're just Mr. Know-it-all and everything. Have you ever known that person? They go, they read a book on something, and then they are the, now the expert on that subject. I hate that so much. It's like all you're doing is regurgitating what you just read in that book. You don't know anything. You have no experience. Okay, your experience is somebody else's experience you read in a book. And I'm not saying you don't learn anything, but it's just it's, it's kind of an arrogant attitude that people have. You know, until you have actually done it and succeeded, shut up. You know, and I, if people would learn that, it would be a valuable lesson. You know, it, listen, if you start a plumbing business, you need to be dependent on God. You realize if you're a plumber, okay, you need the Lord. Your truck can break down. Your tools can mess up. Another plumbing business could come in town and take away all your customers. I mean, you know, the Lord might curse you by making everybody's plumbing keep working good where nobody needs you. I mean, listen, whatever line of work you're in, you need the Lord. And you should always have a dependent attitude. But even in business owners, they often do. They go into it, God blesses them, and they start thinking, you know what, I'm all good. And then they don't follow the rules anymore. They don't, you know, they, they could care less about going to church anymore. They can care less. You know, when people start out that business, they're giving their tithes and offerings because, man, I don't want to rip the Lord off because I need the Lord's blessing. But then they're just getting blessed so much, they just like, you know what, I'm fine. Ah, eh, forget it. I, you know, if I'm late or if I don't get it paid, no big deal. I'll be fine either way. No, we're all in trouble without God. We're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. And we don't want to forget these things. Uzziah forgot. Uzziah forgot that it was God that exalted him. So all the greats start out dependent on God, and that's why he exalts them. But many forget that they are still dependent on God because he just blesses them so much. Now with him, then what ends up happening, as fame or success comes, people often start believing the press. That's what we see here. We're not going to read through it again. 
but in verses 6 through 15, it's just talking about, man, Uzziah did this, he did this, he's increasing in cattle, he's digging wells, I mean, he's building towers, he's got machines, you know, he's just, everybody's talking about him. And, you know, and, and, and this stuff was true that was being said. Uzziah was a great king. Great things were happening. A great work was being done. But again, who was it that was really accomplishing things? It was God. And you know what Isaiah 48, 11, it says, For mine own sake, even for mine own sake will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? I will not give my glory unto another. Boy, we ought to, we ought to get that in our head right now. God is not going to give his glory to another. Listen, all glory goes to God. And you know, we can't help it sometimes if people on the outside that aren't real spiritual start, you know, singing our praises and saying all these great things about us. But you know what? We need to make sure that we correct that. We need to make sure that when our mouth opens up, we're always giving glory to God. We're always giving Him the praise and the credit. But no, people, many times, they forget it. You know, somebody will come to the pastor. Hey, you know, pastor so-and-so, you know, you have a big church. Therefore, you have all the answers. You know, what is the secret to your success? Well, I'll tell you the secret to my success. And then they start talking about themselves for the next hour. It was my all-night prayer meetings I used to have. You know, I, you know, and they, and they just go in this long, dramatic story about themselves and how they sold out to God and how they gave up everything. I, I, I could be a multi-millionaire right now. I just heard that this week. Bill Kidd talking about how he could have been a millionaire. Now, listen, if, if that were true, that would be a terrible thing to say as a pastor. You understand that? If that, if that were true, and it's not true about me, but if it were true, if, if, I, if that were true, that I could have been a millionaire, but I gave it up to pastor you people. Well, first off, I've lost my reward for telling you all about that. But you know, but you know what I'm basically saying? I'm basically saying I could have had something better. You know, I could have went on to make millions of dollars. That would be better. For what message am I sending you if I say that? That well. You know, it'd be better to be a millionaire. But I sacrifice so much by serving the Lord instead. That is the most carnal... I couldn't believe it when I heard him say that. And I've heard a lot of preachers say that. So I was talking about how they could have been... A, and most of the preachers that I hear say that are doing pretty good financially already. And I think that's their way of justifying their riches. You know, because they're fleecing the flock like you wouldn't believe... But it's okay, because I could have had a lot more. I'm actually sacrificing. I know I'm driving a Rolls Royce. I know I'm wearing, you know, $1,000 suits, and I got all this stuff going for me. But, you know, I still sacrifice a lot. I could, I don't know what's above those things. You know, I, I don't shop at those places and look at those type of things. But that's wrong, folks, when people do that. That's a really, that's a really bad attitude. But understand, when you're, when these people do that, what, what people, if people are honest, they would just say, you know what? Secret of my success is God. He just has done a work here. And, and there are people like that. I've known many preachers who have done, I mean, built great works, big churches, and people will ask them that thing, and they'll just tell you, I don't know why our church is so big. I don't know why we have what we have here. The Lord just did it. 
You know, I think Pastor Bobby Robertson was a good example of that. He was kind of like that. You know, people always talked about how unusual his church was. He didn't do any of the things that you're supposed to do on paper to you know, get that big church like he had. It was a unique church. It was a unique ministry. It was a great work. And to this day, I haven't heard anybody ever explain the secret to his success. You know why? Because I don't think there really was a secret. I think the fact, I think God just did a great work there. You know, that's my, that's my opinion on it. I think that was his opinion on it, too. And there's a lot of people out there like that. You ask them, what's the secret? They don't know. You know, how did you raise such good kids? There, you, Most people, I don't know. Now, I know some preachers that will tell you, you know, how they did so great. And then usually you find out those ones that weren't as great as we thought they were. That's, that's, that's the way it usually is. But just understand, God doesn't share his glory. And what... Needs to happen. The message that the message that I got, I remember. I remember it was years ago. Uh, I heard uh, somebody else give Bobby Robertson's testimony. It wasn't him. It was somebody else giving it. Somebody else just kind of talking about what happened there. And I heard some of his own testimony. Uh, but I mean, I never heard any bragging or anything. But I remember. I remember listening to that. And the impression that I got. You know what I learned from that? It's just like you know what? I just need God. You know, I need God, I need God to do a work in my ministry. That was the message I got from it. I, you know, I heard about some unique things about his church, but I didn't think that's what I need to do in my church. That wasn't, I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. My thing is, it was like, I just need God to do something. That was, that was what I got from that. And so, you know, throughout history, we see, or throughout Israel's history, we see them constantly being exalted by God. But then they would always start to think that they did it themselves, and then they'd get in trouble again. And God warned them about that. In Deuteronomy, he, hey, he said, I'm going to put you in houses you didn't build. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you all these things you did no work for. And he said, beware, lest you be full and you forget God. And, that's what, and then they would forget God. And so God would bring them down. They'd call on the Lord. He'd exalt them. They'd get lifted up again with pride. He'd knock them down again. That was their history. That's what they did throughout it. And you know, we need to, you know, we've got to be careful with this type of thing. I don't want to keep getting knocked down and just be built back up again. I'd rather just get built up and stay there. That's what I would prefer. But if we get lifted up with pride, if we're not, if we are sharing God's glory, then you know what? He's going to have to knock us down so he can be, so he can be glorified. Glorifying God is the most, I mean, that's the most important thing. That's a priority. We are created for His pleasure, and when we start stealing His glory, we're not bringing Him pleasure anymore. We're in trouble. He's going to knock us down. So we need to be especially careful when we have the visible successes. Okay? Now understand, there's visible success and there's invisible success. The visible success can be dangerous. Because the invisible successes... Okay, that's things like the souls that are saved, the lives that are changed. People don't necessarily see that on the outside. Okay? So, I mean, we do have a lot of invisible success in this church. And when I say invisible, we see a lot of example. We see lives changed. We see souls saved. But, you know, nobody's out there telling stories. You know, we're not getting stories written about us in the sword of the Lord. Okay? We're not getting fame and notoriety from these things. And these aren't necessarily things that you can, like, post on social media. Okay? Now, some people do. You know, they do the before and after. You know, look at this derelict, you know, and then now look at it. You know, and I'm not totally against that. But, 
again, that's a way of just kind of showing the success. And so there's invisible success, but then there's visible success too. This is often dangerous because of the fact everyone can see it and we can start getting glory. For example, you know, we're getting a new building. You know, we're getting an upgrade in facility. Now, I hate to admit this type of thing, but in the preacher world, okay, in the IFB preacher world, it's all about the buildings. It's all about the locations. I mean, you go to a conference and I promise you, the preachers are going to find some way to throw in a story talking about their building project they're doing. I dare you. I challenge you. Dude, I shouldn't name them. I like them, but I'm, I'm naming them because I've never heard this. I, I've only ever heard him preaching at conferences. Go listen to Jeff Fugate preach at any conference, and he's going to start talking about his buildings that he's doing. He, he, he somehow magically gets it into every sermon that he preaches. You know, he's constantly doing that, and it's just like, can you not preach a conference sermon? I'm sure at his own church he doesn't need to do that. Why is it whenever you get around other preachers, you got to bring up somehow get a story of your building project in every sermon because it's a status thing in the preacher world to be a building buildings and having building projects going on. It's a visible outward sign of success. So preachers love to brag about it. And I'm not saying we can't rejoice in these things and share what's going on, but just we've got to be aware of the fact that this is, it is a major status thing in the IFB world and it ain't right. It's wrong. And I got to watch it. You know, we're getting a new building, you know, and I like talking about it with preacher friends. You know, the the numbers, okay, they like talking about the numbers, like to talk about the church growth. These are all visible things that everyone can see. You know, everybody likes tweeting that picture of the full house. These are These are visible signs of success that we can put out there for everyone to see so everyone will think, Highly of us. And, you know, and, and of course, we're going to throw in the tweet, praise the Lord, you know, for a full house today. You know, we, we do that. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong, okay? I've been sharing pictures of the progress in the building and everything, but I'm not going to pretend that there's not a danger there and that some of these things never cross my mind. I grew up in the IFB world, especially in the preacher world. I'm a part of it. It's in my nature. I can't help it. And I, in fact, I've been at things before around preachers and I try not to talk about some of these things because I just don't want to be that way. And if I did, if I got invited to preach at one of these conferences, I wouldn't bring up our building program on purpose because I find that revolting. They, they talk about their buildings and all the people they preach for. I, I, every one of these, especially Fugit, I was preaching for brother so-and-so, you know, he'll, he's always name dropping. He's preaching at doc for Dr. Hiles. They always do that. Why? It's a way to exalt themselves and to promote themselves. It's like a, it's a way you can, you know, get there. It's a way you can show their endorsement without them doing it themselves. It helps to say, hey, I was preaching for brother so-and-so. Oh, man, brother so-and-so will have him. I should have him too. Oh, you got to preach for brother so-and-so? You must be a big shot. And do it. You go to these preachers' conferences most of y'all probably don't see this stuff, but I see this stuff at these preachers' conferences, and it is nothing but self-promotion. It is just glorifying self, and it is disgusting. And it is huge in the IFB world, and we can't be doing that. And you all hold me to it. 
If you see me preaching at some conference somewhere, I better not be talking about our buildings and people I preach for. Right? Otherwise, you know, I, it's, I'm, I'm getting sucked in. I'm getting sucked into that culture. But that's just what they do. That's what they do. It's, it's revolting. But the thing is, you know, these visible successes, these are the things that can lift us up. These are the things that will maybe get people talking about us. And then we can start feeling really good about ourselves. Hey, I got succeeded. You know, I, I, I've succeeded. You know, I've got that notoriety. I'm being asked to speak in the big conferences, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? We do that kind of thing. All, then it just becomes about promoting ourselves. We're supposed to be promoting God. What we do is supposed to be glorifying God. And so we got to watch that. Those visible successes, the buildings, attendance, growth, you know, the notoriety. One thing, too, in our circles that I, apparently is a big deal because it gets talked about a lot is YouTube subscribers. Okay? Now, let me just say this. YouTube subscribers is not a sign of success. It is not a sign of the power of God. Otherwise, the crazy hermit Brian Denlinger is better than all of us. Okay? He's got a lot more subscribers than we do, but do we really think he's doing more for the Lord? You know, there, gamers are outdoing me. There are kid, teenage, doughboy gamers with YouTube channels yeah, that are making tons of money. Making there, there's lame, fat gamers that through their YouTube channels are making more money than me. You know, but I'm gonna brag because we're we're approaching five thousand subscribers. Like we're a big shot. Like we got a great sign of success. The Lord's really using me, man. We're just putting out all this YouTube content. We're just just really getting the word out, man. I'm you know just getting getting known. Hey, folks, that is nothing. Okay, and that's that's a, that's a but that is an example example of a visible sign of success in our little circle that we run with, I guess. But at the same time, I can go and I might you know I might pass up Denlinger one of these days, and then start thinking I've arrived, and then the Lord's going to have to take me down. I got all that notoriety only to make it worse when I get shamed. Because now there's more people that know about it. I got more enemies out there to just rub my nose in it. I don't want that. So you need to watch out for that kind of thing. Because that um, the Lord will do that to you. If you steal His glory, He will. He's going to do it to you. He does it with everybody. So look at verse 16. So when we when we uh, of Second uh, Chronicles 26, it says, "But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction." For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. He did one thing. He's got years of doing all this wonderful work, all this great work, but that work that he did got him lifted up with pride and he just went and did one thing, one thing. And because of that, he ends up becoming a leper. And you know, when we believe the press... We end up thinking that we know what's best, and we end up thinking we are above the rules. We are never above the rules. We talked about this morning with a lot of this cover-ups and stuff that go on in the IFB world. These guys think, well, you know, we can't, we just can't take, you know, the work of the Lord couldn't handle a kind of a black eye. If I go down, the work of the Lord will cease. No, it won't. You will do more damage by doing the wrong thing. You will do more damage by not following the rules. 
Listen, the IFB will survive without any of us. Okay? We've got, we, we just need to get that in our head. But they use that as an excuse and they break the rules. I mean, I just found out about another pervert that just got relocated somewhere again. I'm like, are you, you've got to be kidding me. This, it's crazy the way this type of thing happens. But why, why do they do it? They think they're above the rules. They're that lifted up with pride. They'll be all down on other people to do that kind of thing. But then they do. They go, and you know, we, we cannot believe the press. We can't do, you know, I just, uh, last week, I was cleaning out a bunch of stuff in my office, moving a bunch of stuff over there. I came across a card from somebody saying a whole bunch of nice things about me, telling me what a wonderful pastor I was. And it was the same one who wrote a letter to another, to another pastor talking about how terrible I was just a couple months later. I remember looking at that, and I'm reading that card saying all these wonderful things about me. I'm just like, you know what? I didn't believe it when I read it the first time. Not, and not just because it was her. Okay? I just I didn't believe it. You know, I, I've, I've had a lot of people say things about me, and it's like, I don't, even, I don't even believe that. It's just, I'm not trying to act humble, okay? But I just, I know what I am, and I feel like I'm a pretty normal, average person. There, there's not, you know, there's not anything, you know, that special. And I, I, do, I get irritated, too, when, you know, people try to, you know, because they watch me on YouTube, my free YouTube channel that literally anybody can do. There's fat gamers that have way more fame than I do out there, and people try to act like, oh, yeah. you know, I watch you on YouTube. It's like, so? I mean, it's just, you know, there's nothing special going on here, folks. I'm a pastor of a church. There's pastors all over the place. It's not that big of a deal, and don't act like it's a big deal. You say, well, you know, they can't help it. The thing is, man, they can't do that because what if I start believing it? If I start believing it, we've got a problem. You know, I've got a problem. If that happens and just understand all these people, the first ones to sing your praises are the first ones that are going to be stabbing you in the back and talking trash about you. It's just the way it is. And so, you know, I I was glad when I found that card. It just reminded me, don't believe the press. Don't don't believe it and just keep on. I was doing what I was doing before she came. And you know what? I'm still doing what I'm doing after she's gone. It's the same. I, we 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 don't we shouldn't need these things. So those lifted up with pride, they though they don't think the rules apply to them. They get and those lifted up with pride, they don't hear rebuke. Look what it says in verse seventeen. This is after Uzziah goes into their uh, temple to burn incense, and Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. Eighty-one priests come after him, valiant men, and they withstood Uzziah the king. And said on him, It appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, to the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Thank God for these men that were bold enough to stand up to the king. And to say, No, this is the house of God. You are not sanctified. You are not somebody. You are. This is not made for you. This is for the sons of Aaron. King, you need to get out of here. And folks, they were ready to forcibly remove him. That's why they had 80 valiant men go in there. Like, we got to get this king out of here. And we're going to go and send a strong message that he has no place in here. Thank God that the priests during this time were men that had some conviction. And they withstood him. But you know what? That, that didn't get him to leave. 
That's not what got him to leave. What got him to leave? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 19, it says, Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth, while he's getting mad that he's being told the truth, while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. So here he is. He's holding that censer. Hey, I ain't going anywhere, guys. I'm the king. I'm the guy who made the engines. I'm the guy who everybody's talking about. I'm the one who has done all these great things. You ain't going to mess with me. But you know what? God did. And all of a sudden, he becomes a leper. And let me tell you something. You know, once This is what happens. Once people get what they want from God, they forget it. I mean, he just completely forgot the law of God. I mean, it was pretty clear law. Only the Levites were able to offer incense on that altar. Yet he decided to do it anyway. And that's how a lot of people are. Hey, you know, I need the Lord to help me. I'm, I'm going to start a church or I'm going to start a business. I need him to help me out and get things going. And then God gets things going. We got what we wanted. Now who cares about the rules anymore? Yeah, oh, who cares? You know, yeah, I, at first I wanted to be honest in my finances because I wanted the Lord to bless. But you know what? We're doing pretty good now. You know what? If we rip off some people. If we don't do some things we're supposed to do, who really cares? You know, they, they, for, I got what I needed from God. I've got it from here on out. That's the attitude that they have. That's pride that does that. That was Uzziah's attitude and it got him in trouble. And so God ended up doing to Uzziah what he does to all those who think they're above the rules and get lifted up with pride. You know what God did to Uzziah here? God revealed to everyone what he really was. So we see he became a leper in verse 20. After, the, after that leprosy rises up in his forehead, and Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from this. Look at this. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. A leper was not supposed to be anywhere near that sanctuary. And so at first, it's almost like these priests are a little hesitant, but when they saw the leprosy, nope. They got him and they thrust him out. But not only that, he was helping him throw himself out. Because he got the message now. There was no doubt he was in trouble. And it says, now the rest of the acts. Um, or on verse 21, And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord and Jotham his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. And Jotham his son reigned in, in his stead. God revealed what he really, You know what Uzziah really was? Really, he was a spiritual leper. And you know, that's all we are, spiritually speaking. We're all sinners. Our righteousness is like a filthy rag. But God cleanses us. It's God that makes us clean. Ourselves on our own, we are filthy human beings that are worthy of hell. And you know what God did? God took you, when Uzziah got lifted up with pride like that, God just took his hand of protection on it. You know what? I'll show you and all of Israel what you really are, Uzziah. And he became a leper. And he was that way until the day of his death. When God revealed to Uzziah what he really was, Uzziah tried to get himself out of the temple, but it was too late. 
All of a sudden now, he's back to where he started. Hey, I'm going to obey God now, so hopefully God will take this leprosy away. And that's what a lot of people do when God comes down on them, when God brings judgment on them because they got out of line, because they got lifted up with pride, because they didn't think they had to follow the rules anymore. Well, I'll follow the rules now. Hey, but listen, now you know better. Now you've shown your true motivation. You've shown what your heart is really like. And you know, Uzziah didn't lose that leprosy after that. I guarantee you he did some repenting. I guarantee you he did some apologizing to God. But nope, you got what you wanted, Uzziah. I gave you everything. I blessed you. I made you famous. You are going to die a leper. You're not even going to get a special burial because you're a leper. You're going to be known as Uzziah, the leper. I mean, what a horrible way to end their life. A man who was a good king, who did good things, he does this one thing because he got so lifted up with pride and he ended up becoming a reproach and dying in shame. And so at the end of the day, that fall of Uzziah, it came down to really one transgression. Now get this. It was one transgression that got Uzziah in trouble, but the reality is the problem that he had was a heart problem that developed years before this event took place. It was, it was probably years before that while Uzziah didn't do anything physically wrong on the outside, something changed in his heart to where he, while he wasn't doing anything bad, he wasn't thinking right. He wasn't glorifying God like he should have. He forgot that it was God who deserves all the glory. And the, the truth is, we've got a lot of people out there who are like, well, I've never done this, I've never done that, I've never done this, I'm still good, God has to keep blessing me. Well, here's the thing, if your heart's not right with God, even though you haven't physically done some terrible thing yet, it's really only a matter of time. And this is why it's important that we stay close to the Lord and that we keep our hearts right. Because if you're, you can go and you can come up with that great list of rules and of rule, list of do's and don'ts and you can follow it to the letter. But if your heart's not right, it's only a matter of time and you're going to get lifted up with pride and you're going to break the rules. A big one. And you're going to get in big trouble and God's going to have to take you down. And so the main thing I think we all need to get from this is let's never lose that dependency on the Lord. Okay, we've got some visible blessings that are coming our way as a church. Let's not let that cause us to get lifted up. As our church grows numerically, as we, you know, as, as the Lord blesses us financially, as all these things happen, let's never ever forget why it's here. Let's never forget who did it. Let's never stop giving him all the praise. And I'm not, I'm not saying just verbally. We all can verbally do it, but if, if in our hearts we don't believe that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out, it's going to show. You better get that in your head, in your heart, that God gets all the glory for everything that goes on here because, you know, we might reach 10,000 YouTube subscribers one of these days and we might start thinking we're really something. And I hope that never happens. I, 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 never, I hope we never look at some of these foolish outward things and come to wrong conclusions because God can take it away in a day. That pride that is in our heart, it can cause us to do that one thing that finishes us. And that's all it was with Uzziah. He had a heart problem for years, but that heart problem led to one sin 
that destroyed his legacy, that destroyed his testimony, and ended his, his kingdom and his life for himself. And I believe God puts these stories again. They're written for our admonition. We better learn from these things and make sure it never happens. Let's stay humble. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for this great example that you've given us in the scriptures, Lord. Help us all to take these things to heart. Everyone that's here, from myself as a pastor, from every business owner, for every parent, Lord, just whatever we're doing, help us to always stay dependent on you, Lord. And as you give success, help us to never, ever forget where that success comes from. And help us glorify you, Lord, from the heart. In your name we pray. Amen.